0: Gonna take me a press, gonna take me some steel, gonna take my two hands and build an automobile. Hey everybody and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars. I'm Randy Cardoon Everybody has a car story. Just a reminder to make a note to yourself, subscribe to our iTunes page. We'd love a review and a rating, and if you're listening on SoundCloud, give us a like, and if you'd like, leave a message. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're all over social media. Oh yeah, and we're also on YouTube. This week, Ray McClellan of Motor City Masters on True TV and Car Warriors on Discovery and the old Speed Channel of Full Throttle Customs, he'll join us today, relocated that Full Throttle Customs to Southern California, and is beginning a new classic car owners app for your iPhone or computer. But first, we revisit with our pal Matt DeAndrea of CarCast fame and Shift and Steer, the podcast. Plus. Oh, boy, he's a movie producer now. I caught up with Matt at Ray's car customizing shop, Open House. We were actually on Facebook Live on my Talking About Cars Facebook page. It's been a while since Matt and I chatted. In fact, he was a guest on my very second podcast and What Do We Know. This is number 75. So I talked to Matt and asked him what he's been up to lately.
1: We just came back from Monterey Car Week. We debuted a a Lamborghini Miura SV at Pebble Beach. Which was a lot of fun. Uh ended up perching uh, one of Paul Newman's race cars up there, his uh Lamont winning Porsche nine thirty five. So it's uh we, we we I guess we we enjoy these wonderful adventures that we go on together, Adam and myself and a couple of guys, my producers and stuff, and bring it back home and talk about it on a podcast. So it's been good.
0: Now how many podcasts are we talking about here that you've done? Well, for, I know you number them because I know we do too.
1: Yeah, so for CarCast, I don't know the exact number. we do doing it for seven years. We do about fifty shows a year, so you could do the math on that. And uh, we've been fortunate. I think we were one of the very first ones to do something like that. I think we're the most downloaded automotive podcast in the world, which is uh, which is exciting for us. Uh-huh. Um, that show is on. Uh, it's on Podcast One. It's on Adam Carolla's network. Uh, it's it's
0: it's fun. Now talk about when you first started being on this show, did you ever have an idea that this was gonna go this far? Not really. For us it just sort of started off as a hobby. Like I came in and I
1: was sort of producing uh the show and then a little while after that I took over as co-host with Adam. And uh you know, Adam's passion is cars and my passion is cars, and we just essentially created a show to talk about our hobby. And it's funny because Adam is a a very hard worker. He does the Adam Carolla show five days a week, and Adam and Drew does, you know, the show. Yeah, it's fun. like
0: what six, seven different shows. I think he's doing another one about the law, and another one, and all sorts of things.
1: Yeah, he does one called Reasonable Doubt with Mark Garagos. but he does something like twelve or fifteen podcasts a week. But they're all—they all seem like jobs to me. And ours is the only one that seems like it's the hobby or it's fun. You know, like where I'm at this event right now. Adam's working this weekend, but next weekend we go down to Coronado and we do some vintage racing and we'll come back into the studio and talk about that event as well. So the biggest obstacle for us today was walking around Adam's car collection trying to decide which car to race next weekend. And I was like, Adam, you should take the Dawson Bluebird. He's like, I don't know, I like the 610. I was like, you got the
0: Paul Newman Oldsmobile, you know, cutlass. No, no, some of us guys who, you know, have started this more recently. This is a question we all want to know is, did Adam have all these cars before he started Cap? He,
1: he didn't have all these cars, but he did have several cars. And over the last seven years, the physical space has grown. We've you know tripled in size, and the car collection has grown. Um, that's partly my fault. <laughs> now, why I, is it your fault? I've been
0: very active in sort of helping him to curate that collection of cars. So you've been kind of like his car... Pimp or something like that. something like that, yeah, pretty he's much dealer. If you don't mind me saying,
1: so. everything car related we do together. Um, I, you know, I'm building an engine in his shop. He's got his car collection there, and he's got two or three, three guys that basically work on cars. And house full that basically three full time mechanics working on cars there. And those guys are great. They do such a great job. But it's always kind of bouncing around to different vintage race cars. You know, um, a year or two ago we did. Uh, You can hear some of these guys leaving right now. Right.
0: We are, uh, again, uh, right off the main drag here in Fillmore, California, Ray McClellan's place uh, here. But we'll talk about that in a bit. But go ahead.
1: So uh, I think it was two years ago we did a feature film documentary called Winning the Racing Life of Paul Newman, and it's a wonderful film that chronicles the 35-year racing career of Paul Newman, which a lot of people don't even really know about. He's got four national championships as a driver. He's got eight championships as a team owner with the Newman Haas team, and uh, that film sort of came out because Adam had found a Paul Newman race car, purchased it, loved it, vintage raced it himself, found another one and another one. And each time he bought one of these cars, it came with another amazing story about Paul Newman. So he had to do a film about it. And since then, Adam has acquired 10 of Paul Newman's race cars. How many
0: did he have? Before the movie, I think he had... I'm not talking Adam, I'm talking Paul Newman. So Paul Newman, how many more does Adam have to get to fulfill his garage of Paul's.
1: Yeah, so I mean he raced for 35 years or so, almost 40 years, so I don't know exactly how many cars are out there. Some of them were used for a few years, but then there's sort of two types of Paul Newman race car that we're figuring out now. There are cars that he raced for a season or two, and then there are some that he actually owned because there's a couple of cars that he liked, and he may have raced them five years ago, and then... He wanted a sort of a play race car to mess around with, so he bought it back and either rebodied it or took some of the, the you know, the, the sponsorship off of it and used that as a as a race car that he would use for practice. And so, there's a few of those that Adam now has as well.
0: Again, we have Matt Andre here, and you've moved on as well in a sense. You're you're doing the car cast, you're doing the video. You also uh, you also have your own show. I, I do. It's not really mine. Um,
1: I, I do another
0: podcast called Shift and
1: Steer and I, it was just something that came out with three really good friends of mine. So there's four guys that do the show. It's myself, a guy named Brad Fanshaw who owns Bond Speed Wheels and he used to run Boyd Coddington's Hot Rod Company. You know, he was president of that company for years. Um, Another guy named Pete chapores and if you don't know Pete, you absolutely should. Pete runs SoCal Speed Shop. He's in every single hot rod Hall of Fame there could possibly be. Uh, you know, he worked at SEMA. He started Pete and Jake's. He's one of the original real hot rod guys. Um, and then our fourth man is Aaron Hagar. who is Sammy Hagar's son uh, from Van Halen, and and Aaron's just a good old, just the sweetest guy ever. Really loves rat rods, and he's he's an amazing artist. So a lot of.
0: But right there, there is a police qu- on the other side of that orange balloon. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's even moving, and if he's not, going after that guy. What are you doing there, eating donuts and coffee or what? He could be a dummy in there. He could be, I don't know, he could be, a, he could be one of those blow-up dolls, like uh, an airplane. I saw that car when we rolled in and the cop's not in there. Oh, he's not?
1: He, I thought he was security here. I thought he was at the event, like, uh-huh. you know, making sure that we're drinking sodas, uh-huh. you know, um... But I, everybody that's been driving by, why we've been doing this, has been very nice. They get right behind you, they idle past, right. and then then they hit the road, and they think, they think you can't hear it anymore, but you absolutely can't hear it.
0: Okay, we know you did the podcast. We know you're doing the video, your own podcast. It seems like a bigger jump, though, to do a movie. I mean, it's one thing for Adam to get a car and go, well, yeah. this would be a cool idea, but to actually produce a movie. Did you learn that on the run, or what do you? That, that's more Adam's side of the
1: fence, and then um, over at the – at. Uh, at Adam's Place, uh, Corolla Studio in, in Glendale. He's got his podcast studio there. And then there's another building with the car collection in it. And since then, in the last couple of years, he's built out production offices. So there's actually a documentary team, uh, producer, director, and several editors, all in-house that work full-time just on documentaries. The first one was our Paul Newman documentary. In about a month, we have a film coming out called 24-Hour War, which is the story of Ford versus Ferrari, Le Mans in the nineteen sixties, and uh, and then uh, I believe we're doing one on uh, Willie T. Ribbs, who's the first African American oh, Indy driver, um, and he was in the Paul Newman movie as well. And that interview was so great that we decided we wanted to do a film on it right now. But um, our guy Nate Adams, who's uh, works for Adam and House, works on these films. He's such an amazing documentary uh, documentary guy. I, I don't
0: I don't know I don't know what it's is. documentarian official.
1: something yeah, like that. Maybe yeah. maybe that's it. Um, and uh, I, I know he's got a lot of background in, in doing this type of stuff. And, uh, um, like, MMA did documentaries uh, for, like, Showtime and HBO about uh, about a lot of fighting and stuff. So he's he's wonderful at it. The, the car portion, I think, is new to him, but he's got a lot of resources in, in Adam and, and the other guys that work with us on our show.
0: That's Matt Andrea. He was with us on talking about Cars 3, I think. You could look at it on iTunes and check it out. It's a real short interview because back then we only did... Uh, two or three minute interviews but uh, let's recap it's been a couple of years we know your first car was a what my f- first car was a
1: 1987 camaro it was a uh, 305 uh, but had a manual transmission which i thought was sort of rare at the time but um i had that car and that was and i was working two jobs it's great because i was working at pep boys i was the parts counter kid and uh and I was a pet groomer as well. I had to wash dogs for a living. And the car that I went to buy was the nineteen ninety three Mustang Cobra. And I bought that car at sixteen years old, owned it for about a year or so, and then it got stolen from my you know, from my family house and then found it a month later, completely stripped and the unibody cut in half just couldn't do anything with it. The insurance company wouldn't even sell it back to me. And I remember sitting in the studio with Adam Carolla in December of 2013, 20 years later, we had a conversation, I was like, God, I really missed that car. And I was like, I'm gonna buy one. So I bought one and now uh, Bodie Stroud, who I'm sure you might have talked to at some point, he's a great hot rod builder. He's redoing that car for me and it's gonna end up at SEMA this year, partially done. And then it's gonna get more work done. So what happened is is I bought that car a couple years ago, I sent it to Bodie. he started working on it, Uh, then I got bored, Um, then I got bored, so I bought another one. (laughs) Same car? Uh, Same car. Why not? So I have two 93 Cobras. So who's working on that one? Ray, here at Full Throttle Customs, and uh, I'm building the engine myself, and then the car is going to come here, Ray's going to put it together. And uh, hopefully that will show up. And so this year at SEMA, I might have two 93 Cobras going to SEMA. So I'm, I'm overcompensating for the one that got stolen 20-something years ago.
0: I, I'm just really happy, Matt of proving right here that there is money in podcasting. <laughs> and apparently, as so I've heard, I don't know personally, but one day, who knows, I have something to uh, work my way for. Very good. So uh, cars in your garage aside from those two right now. Well, I, I have
1: those two cars and actually I'm driving an Alfa Romeo Spyder uh, and that's pretty much it right now because I just don't have the space. I don't know what to do. I, I have my eye on
0: another car, It's something a little more modern. How big is your garage by the way? Is it a two car garage, three car garage?
1: No, I mean I live in Venice and when you live in Venice you, know, you just you just live on the streets basically because you you, you, know, you want to be near the beach but then you got to live on the beach. Um, but so you
0: rent out, let's say, the back seat to people who need sleep, and that h- helps you with money for fixes. Fortunately
1: for me, Adam has 13 or 15,000 square feet of warehouse uh, space, and okay. I could go mooch off of his. Friends. Yeah, right. yeah. Very good. I get lucky by—he doesn't even let my cars go in the shop, by the way. He's like, your cars need to stay in the parking lot covered so I don't have to see them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So the fact that the car that you had that you no longer had that you would like back, I assume would be that— Mustang, because you're obviously going through some psychological uh, yeah, it's work. It's a sickness, yeah. Uh, I, I waited 20 years to get that
1: car back, and then I got it, and then I was like, I need another one, and, and now I don't know what to do. But
0: What's the car that is number one on the Matt D'Andrea list of all cars you want to get one day?
1: That's a, that's a tough one, right? Because I always break it down, it gets really complicated, long-winded, I'm like, are we talking different price points and things like that now the advantage of and i'm very fortunate to be able to do this with what i do in on car cast is we do work with a lot of manufacturers so they'll often send us a car for a week at a time so uh, as much as I get to fantasize and dream about a bunch of amazing new modern cars, I, I, am get, I do get to drive them as well. Last week, I, was in, I spent a week with the Bentley Bentayga SUV. Before that, I spent a week driving the Lamborghini Uricon convertible. Then we had a Rolls-Royce Ghost and a BMW M4 and uh, uh, the Shelby GT350. Um, just you know the, the brand new Shelby, which is an amazing car. I can't imagine getting more car for under 60 grand than the new GT 350. Uh, so. Uh, we've Over the years, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to drive a handful of really, really cool cars.
0: Proving once again, it's good to be podcaster and producer Matt D'Andrea. Coming up next, Ray McClellan, who's Full Throttle Customs with a K, now calls Fillmore, California, northwest of Los Angeles, home. McClellan and his web designer, Thomas Katnick, joined me in, to talk about the future of classic car ownership and the way it was in Katnick's native Austria. So, Ray... Give us the Full Throttle Customs story.
2: Well, Full Throttle Customs has been around for a long time. Uh, We're East Coast based. We moved out here, set up shop in Oxnard. We just moved to this bigger location down here in Fillmore, California. Primarily do engine swaps. We do a lot of hot rods, new cars, old cars, blower applications, fabrication, wiring, brakes, all that kind of fun stuff. We do have a chassis dyno in-house, so we concentrate on tuning, uh, high horsepower cars, getting them dialed in, fly through small, get 1,000 horsepower.
0: Wow, before we get into a lot of this stuff, let's bring in uh, one of your guys. Yeah, Tom, come on in here. Hey, guys. Thanks for coming in, joining us on Talking About Cars. Tom, uh, tell us a little bit about what the whole situation is and your interest and in, in what you guys are working on in association with uh, the car business here. It
3: actually connects with FDK uh, When I moved here from Europe, uh, I'm a total car guy. And... I was going online and looking at car shows or, you know, and, and car forums, looking for the best possible shop in my area. And it took me about two months until they finally found Ray. And we started to talk, we connected and kind of thinking, why isn't it easier to find some real good shops or some people like you or cars like yours, you know. And that's how the idea was born and Ray was, had similar ideas over the years and then since I come from the software industry, he's obviously the car guru. Um, We just parted and we uh, started this together and basically what you see here is kind of our baby of... uh kind of innovating the car industry you know moving away from people that talk from LA to New York to Japan and what a focus on who's right around me 20 miles from me who drives a Corvette or who drives a Mustang with over 500 horsepower where's the best job so it's it's this really this localization I think that's makes it unique
0: yeah, so it's kind of a car community is that what we're talking about?
2: yeah it's a lot like Facebook you can do groups and pages and all and events and those types of things but the biggest difference is we're geo-based so once you actually log into the app you you know, you can actually set up an event and drop a pin and then all everybody that you invite into that you can make a public or you can make a private so that people can all come and meet at the Carls Junior or whatever or head, you know, what do you what are the favorite routes to take or what are the back roads or, you know, where are the cool car car places to hang out. So if you travel and you pop into a city you can actually go in and search and say, Hey where do I go where's the cool hangouts I got a day to play around you know cuz I do that I travel a lot for tuning I go into shops around the country and a lot of times I'm a day early and like what the heck do I do and you try to find something like Thomas was saying there's really nothing for the automotive industry Mm -hmm. but out in other industries they've got all kind of social networks so that's why I was like look we need to figure this out (laughs) and we've been working on it and he's done an excellent job of project managing we've got a a two-level launch that we're going to do the first level is getting everything functioning the second level brings you know a lot of the gamification and stuff you'll get points for everything you do and videos and I can go on and on and on but I'll let I'll let the marketing guy here actually
0: tell me what's the name of it and really where did it come from for you as far as the the start of it so the name is Performance Nation,
3: which was Ray's idea. I think that's the name he had in mind for a long time. And it, it, it kind of describes what it really is about. It's not necessarily for the, the person that drives a Kia, even though we're not excluding anyone, but it's about people really being enthusiastic about the builds, about the cars. So you create a profile with your car, you kind of tell the community, hey, I've modified it this today or that, and it's going to be the news feed and people can comment and cheer you on. Uh, it's really about working on your car or just really having passion about your car.
0: You had mentioned that you're from Austria. Mm-hmm. Tell me about when you were growing up, the car scene <laughs> in Austria. Man, it's so different than <laughs> having some
3: Ladas driving around now. Uh, but it's um, it's very different than here. It's not as, um, I think there are a couple of huge events each year, but it's not like here where people just meet every weekend somewhere and where they have like local scenes, you know. Uh, I think back home it's more like a larger audience organized by a tv show channel or something else but not local groups so when i came here i just saw this opportunity with ray and it says like look you have all those micro groups everywhere and then they belong to a bigger chapter or something but nothing is organized so
0: i want to get to that too but i I was you you brought up you were kidding about the latas of course which of course are the old russian kind of generic vehicles what were they driving to cruise nights there
3: uh, well you know what there are a lot of vw's i think the Golfs have a huge scene there on uh, the three series bmw you won't see many american cars even though the american car clubs there because it's unique um, but then you need like you got 20 cars in the whole Austria for example so they're not that many right so the German brands are dominating uh some some Japanese brands but but it, you won't find you know blowers on there you won't find superchargers cams on there because the emission regulations it's not fun back home yeah. it, you can't do anything you know it's it's a little bit like California yeah. Yeah. but it's uh it's not fun and it's very expensive so I, I don't know
0: if Volkswagen Golf that you could have like a go blah, 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 <laughs> I, I don't think that'll work yeah.
2: does it work I think you and I were talking didn't you tell me that they actually tax you off of your horsepower?
3: Are you kidding me? Insurance. So first of all insurance is based on horsepower. Uh, then also when you import a car, because I've imported some American cars uh, for France back home and you, you arrive there and you think ah oh, 10% import and then avoid. 20% value tax, and then on top of it, you pay what we call NOVA, environmental tax. So now they measure your emissions and your, you know, what your, um, yeah, horsepower again. And, and sometimes for a car, you pay an extra 10 grand just because you're over, I don't know, 300 milligrams of something. It's
0: it's ridiculous. Suddenly, it's 1974 in Austria all over again. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy stuff. Well, you're here, you're back where sanity reigns and uh, the car people are certainly uh, into right. their own. You, you were talking about trying to get a car community together. And, and really the only thing I could think of that's close to that is, is maybe they have a website here called Southern California Car Culture, where you can actually type that in and then you can find out where the local um, cruise night is or something like that. But obviously you're taking a, a little bit bigger step.
2: Yeah, you know, the, the difference between something like that is we obviously want to give love to the events and the local stuff. You have to pay and you put up a flyer. The problem is the majority of the local guys, the, the guys that hang out and want, are looking for places to meet and where to go, those aren't the guys that are going to put up a flyer and go to those things. These are the guys that are saying, hey, you know, Friday night, where's the car hop places? Or, you know, where's everybody getting together? Is down by the beach or whatever? How do we how do we meet these people? How do we find It doesn't matter whether it's Lamborghini groups or... Chevelle's or whatever it is, whatever your interests are, we want to put these people together and say, look, this is how you find them. This is this is where you're going to advertise and, and you can do blogs like he was saying. So if you start a build, like we do SEMA builds and all this big stuff. Mm-hmm. So we start a project and the cool thing about it is it's not about, like with Facebook, it's about the people. When you come to our performance nation, it's about the car. So like his Corvette's name is Daisy. So you start following Daisy. Oh, you're naming
3: the cars
0: now. Yeah. You not to tell anyone, right?
2: <laughs> so so, but, like, we're doing header upgrades and, you know, suspension upgrades, and you just build a blog. So at the end of the day, a year down the road, two years down the road, you can go follow that whole build, and it's archived.
0: You know, you bring up an interesting point, and we just talked to Matt DeAndre on an earlier podcast, and he said that you're building one of his Mustangs, yes. uh, which is interesting because he's having somebody else prominently build the other Mustang. I think Bodie, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah.
2: Actually, we work a lot with Bodie Stroud. Uh, he just picked up a 55 Chevy we finished up. So there's lots of, like the American Restoration cars and stuff, we've done all the tuning stuff for. Um, with the Mac cars, we actually uh, we pull the motor trans, ship that down. He's painting. The engine compartment comes back. we're doing a, I think we're doing a 347 on that one with a Pro Charger and a 6-speed uh, T56 Magnum.
0: But you guys are friends, and you work together well. I understand that. But isn't there any possible maybe competition between you two to come up with uh, the better mustang
2: no it's not like that uh we you know when bodie typically what he does, he does a lot of chassis stuff, he does full builds. You know what I mean? It's his hand handcrafted chassis, we don't do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, when he does his builds, he gets them to the point where they're running and he calls me up say, hey, we need a break-in tune, so we, you know, we do the break-in, they put the miles on, put them on a dyno, get them dialed in, they ship them out. So we're actually two different kind of businesses. Probably 60% of what Full Throttle does is working with other local businesses that they do build full-on projects. Um, we got out of that years ago you know, from the East Coast, and now we just kind of focus on the chassis tuning and you know the boulder ups and you know, the blower fabrication, things like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Performance Nation right here on the shirt. If people are interested in finding out more about this, how do, where do they go?
3: So actually it's online already, so they can pre-register. The only thing is that might disappoint people a little bit is Ray and I talked and we said, you know what, instead of just letting everyone onto the platform, we gonna focus on quality, So we're going to hand out invites to friends, to certain shops we work with. Um, So we're going to try to build quality people and give them invite rights. And they are allowed to invite a certain amount of friends as well. That way you really get a quality family together and then it will grow and grow and grow so it's going to be very exclusive in the very beginning at some point we might open it up but we'll see how it goes but
0: don't take it personally it's going to get the little family thing going and then when they kind of get confident they'll expand it out to other people i got it
3: i got it
0: okay well that's a smart idea actually because you want to do it right exactly again that's going to be coming up performance nation keep an eye on that tom thanks for coming by i know you got to run I feel like Johnny Carson. Well, I know you've got to go somewhere else today, so we'll let you go. But uh, thanks for talking about that. All right. Yes, you are correct, sir. I will keep talking to Ray. Thanks, Tom, for coming by. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom, let's have a nice round of applause for Tom. He's leaving us. You know, some of the things we talk about on the podcast, which we didn't get a chance to hear because we were talking about some of this. I'm always interested. You said you came from back east. Talk about when the inspiration hit you. How young were you when you realized you were a car guy? I
2: actually, started with motorcycles. Uh, I was 11 years old, and I wanted to race motocross. All my buddies were racing, and Mom said, there's absolutely no way I'm going to put you in a motocross bike. It's way too dangerous. So she bought me a trials bike, and I had to figure out how to make it faster. So 11 years old, I'm ripping parts off and tearing things apart, and trying to figure out how I can keep up with my buddies Mm -hmm. and that's what it started and then you know I was 14 years old and we were going to see my grandmother and we passed a 72 Pontiac and I'm like wow that car is really cool and she's like well your birthday you know you're gonna be driving I'm like can we get it now so we actually she bought it for me a year early. Firebird? Uh, No it was Le Mans, Pontiac Le Mans and uh, but I always wanted to make it a GTO you know and uh i was 15 years old we put a cam in it you know did exhaust and back then we did the fuzzy dice and a, the angora fur and a back deck you know all the crazy stuff we used to love
0: was <laughs> that all jc whitney if i'm not mistaken was <laughs> <What?
2: laughs> actually i loved that catalog <laughs> when i was a kid and uh you know we get that and you know just from there i couldn't wait you know i was cleaning the car every day and then when i turned 16 all oh, hell broke loose every six months i was losing my license so just out there having fun
0: Huh, <laughs> what could it have been that you did to lose your license? Did the speedometer have anything to do yeah, with it? it broke. Did I mention that? Oh, That's right. what caused it. It was, was it broken, broken when you started. That was the
2: <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I believe I lost my license three times before I even turned 18. Wow. So, yeah, and then they got to a point when I was 20 years old where they said, You are not getting it back. Um, so I had to actually hire a lawyer. I wasn't even allowed to go to the hearing, um, but they had to sit in front of a panel of judges and talk about all the silly, crazy, insane stuff that I tell everybody not to do nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they finally gave it back and they said, you have 16 points and you can only lose one to two points a year. And we were in Pittsburgh. So we were really close to Ohio and West Virginia. And back then, you can get in trouble and the points nobody would ever communicate. Mm -hmm. Now it doesn't matter where you're at. It's like they put it in a computer and everybody knows what you're doing.
0: So you actually got to the fork in the road where you could have either gone as a car guy or in a lawyer, an attorney, and somehow cars won. Cars definitely
2: won. You know, right. I just, you know, I just felt at home whenever I worked on a car. It was like, okay, well, I really like what they did. I like the styling, but how can I put my own twist on it? How can I make it faster, better? Um, and, and it was all about speed. You know, I love I love big power. I like to ride wheelies in cars. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. You know, when the whole Fast and Furious thing took off, we had shops all through Pennsylvania, and we figured, well, you know, let's kind of jump on a bandwagon, you know, so we picked up a 350Z right when it came out, and, and th- right when it came out, and there was nothing available, so okay, we'll fab stuff up, and then it was like, well, you know, can you get it out of SEMA? I was like, can't fab it up that quick so we're importing stuff from Japan and you know twin turbo setups and nitrous and doing all this crazy stuff and uh, I got in a car and I'm like well it's fast from like 35 but it's a different kind of fast it's like it's speed but there's no torque mm-hmm. I mean I want to ride Willys at three grand I don't want to be like well it's just starting to build boost guys give me another <laughs> two grand and we'll make <laughs> some power mm-hmm. and I mean granted I, I love those cars you know we've worked with quite a few of them through the years and building them up for Finans and a lot of different companies in Willwood but um Ultimately, I'm a muscle car kind of guy, I like big cubes, big blower, I want a thousand horsepower on tap. You know, I want it uh, to be able to dial it down, like we built a car back in 07 right there, uh, what we call tangerine. It's been on the cover of magazines. We, uh, it's been on the cover of magazines in Saudi Arabia, Australia, all over. Uh, we kind of set a bench- benchmark back then because everybody was like, there's no way you can make over a thousand horsepower and still get fuel economy. That particular car made 1243 to the tires, mm-hmm. and we can actually get 24 or 25 miles to a gallon on a highway, simply dialing down Seriously? the boost. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So you know uh, it's, it's a unique a unique vehicle. So you could road race with it, drag race with it, whatever. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff we love.
0: So the cars that are in your garage right now, your personal cars.
2: Oh, when we came out to California, we liquidated a lot. You know, we've had oh, Vipers. We've had all sorts of stuff, big horsepower, tangerine cars. And, and I mean, we've, right now, we've actually we liquidated and we're starting to build back up. Uh, in the garage now, we've got a 30 coupe, 30 Roadster, 37 Cabriolet, 04 Cobra. We've got a 50 Chevy truck that's sitting on a 4x4 frame. Uh, what else we got laying around? We got a 69 Mustang, we're getting ready to start. We're gonna rip it apart. It was act, it's actually a unique project because when I was young, my uncle, I was really close with him and he bought a 69 Mustang and he's an enthusiast. He's not a wrench turner whatsoever, but we would go over there and you know, in the town where we were at, it's kind of like the Beverly Hills of, of where I grew up. And you know, we'd take a ride and he'd show me everything. So we built up a really close relationship and then he passed. Mm-hmm. So he passed when he was 40, I was 11 years old. I have since got the car, and it's a 69 Mustang Grande, six-cylinder, three-speed, we're pulling that out, we're sending it down to Bodie, Bodie's going to do a custom chassis, we're going to put a 2015 in the back, we're going to do a Coyote motor, and we're going to make the plates so that we could run a blower shop blower, so we want to bring the new school, old school feel to it, so basically we could turn key and drive it to Woodward next year is kind of the goal.
0: Any car that you ever had that you wish you could get back?
2: Oh, we could talk all day about these cars. Yeah, actually, uh, my son and I I wrecked a a Mustang, one bad accident I had. I bought a new 93 GT, nitrous caged, all this crazy stuff, wrecked it being an idiot. Um, So I, in turn, bought a 70 split bumper Camaro. And he was three years old, and we actually worked together, built the car together, Uh, 496 stroker, you know, it went 488, 12 bolt, you know, 400 turbo trans, 4,500 stall, just went all out with it. And uh, it was great because, I mean, we've got pictures of his little feet hanging out underneath the car. That was probably one of my favorite cars because, you know, we, I remember putting it together and, and we fired it up for the first time, you know, did the basic setup on a car. And I was like, okay, let's go out and see how she runs and backed out on the street and pulled out and I heard a bang. And I'm like, oh, no, we're not going anywhere. So I put him on a sidewalk and I was like, just take a look at the car and see if you can see what's making a noise and hit it again. And his eyeballs got big and he's like, was like, what? He's like, the wheel went off the ground. I'm like, let's go for a ride. It's time to ride. So yeah. jumped in, threw the harnesses on. I mean, that car... No matter where you went, it attracted all kind of attention. I just absolutely love those Camaros.
0: What about the car that is number one on the rare McClellan? I want to get that car list.
2: I'm going to tell you right now, it's Tri-5 everything. I am obsessed with Tri-5s. I have not owned one yet. Really? I'm, not, I'm saving it because I, I want to make sure that, you know, through the years, we all buy these cars, build them, sell them, and then it's like, why did I sell that car? I, I mean, and I, I refuse to buy a Tri-5 because when I buy them, they are going collection and not not getting touched. I have, you know, with the Tri-5 cars, I have specific ones I want to do certain ways, which like the movie Tonight, Hollywood Nights, we tried to get the 57 Chevy down here, God, I love those cars um yeah you so
0: basically you're looking for the two-door hardtop
2: I'm looking for every one of them I like to have them all I mean I even want a nomad in there you know mm-hmm. what I mean I just I, I love them the trucks are the same way you know when I, one of the the coolest ones we did was with Bodie I don't know if you guys got a chance to see that 56 he had it had a coyote with a whipple in it mm-hmm. and he brought it up and he's like yeah I'll leave with you got go to $200 dollars. I said you ain't getting this truck back it's not happening but I just I mean I just love the tri-five stuff I love that whole era
0: This man has so many cool stories. We could go on for a long time. For those people who want to check it out, how do they find you?
2: You Go to FullThrottleCustoms.com, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. You can Google Ray McClelland or Full Throttle uh, between the TV show stuff. It all kind of just funnels this way. So, um
0: Real easy to find us. Full Throttle Customs, Ray McClellan. Hey, if you're listening on iTunes, number one, subscribe. It's free. You'll automatically get notified when a new show uploads. Then rate us and write a review. If you're listening on SoundCloud, like us and follow us. Tell everybody you know about our great guests and award-winning Talking About Cars podcast. Also, check out our videos with our partners at Generation Auto on YouTube. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.